Heavenly Father, we thank you um, just for everything that you are, uh, for everything that you've done in our lives, everything that we've shouted about you, you are and more. Father, as we're reminded this morning in the music, we are here for your glory. It's not to us, but to your glory alone. Father, I pray that you speak through me, uh, that, that your name will be lifted high, and that we can just ultimately focus on you and the cross and what you did for us, because we don't deserve it. We love you and thank you. Amen. All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Andrew Bishop, uh, as I was introduced during this song, and for those who don't know me, I am the uh, part-time youth, youth minister, youth pastor here. My wife Taylor and I have hung out with the youth on a couple occasions, uh, laser tag, a few other things that they kicked my butt in. So it's been fun, it's been enjoyable, um, and there will be many more events to come in the future. I just wanted to make a quick note before I begin that today's event, we were going to go to the park, but believe it or not, it's, it's going to rain. So uh, we're not going to the park anymore, but we will reschedule that event. Okay. So before I begin sharing my testimony, I was honored and thankful that Pastor Mark um, and just the man of God he is allowed me to share. I got to be honest with you guys, I'm going to make myself real vulnerable, uh, so hold all the laughter probably till the end because I was a little sinner who didn't know very much. So here we go. Um, I'll start out when I was little, but it's not going to be an hour or two, so don't worry. But when I was little, my mom, she used to always tell me that uh, God and I were close, like we were real close, and I'm, yeah, sure, you know, <laughs> I believe it, and she was like, no, it's because of your name, and I was like, oh, okay, and she would always sing this song, she would sing, <laughs> she would sing, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and she always called me Andy, so it was like, and he walks, and so it always felt good that I knew God was near me, um, at the time, I didn't know what it meant, but it felt good. Uh, but I grew up in a pretty dynamic household. Uh, I grew up, uh, my father's Catholic, my mother's Baptist, so I got a good blend. Um, but growing up Catholic, uh, I was a server boy, went to Mass at least three times a week, whether I was in school going or on the weekend or serving on the weekend. Um, but I'll be honest, that I just went to church because, you know, you had to. So I would stand in school, we would dismiss for church, and I'd always get in the single-file lines next to the pretty girls. Uh, and, and the reason was because I knew we would go into the uh, pews and sit next to them. So there was a 90% chance that during the sign of peace, I was shaking their hand. And, and that's, that's kind of where my mentality was. We would also sing a song called El Shaddai. And I'm not a singer, hence why I wasn't up here previously. Um, but the song would go something along the lines of this. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, and I, truth be told, I wondered who this guy El was and why should he die. I, I, had, I was like, what did he do? I don't want to be him, but all these people agree that this guy named El should be axed, so um, I sung along because it wasn't Andy Shaddai, it was El Shaddai, but uh, later learned that means Almighty God, so that was a big confusion. Joined the choir in 7th and 8th grade, strictly for the girls. Um, had religion class all through uh, grade school and just learned a lot about the religion, uh, the do's and the don'ts. Um, 
when we would talk about Genesis and Revelation or get into Scripture, Genesis to me was my Sega Genesis, and Revelation was a D12 rap song. Um, I, I didn't know the difference. And occasionally we would dig into the Old Testament, and whenever I would come across Job, uh, truth be told, mistakenly I always thought that was a job, and I thought that was about money and finances. So I would just skip that because I didn't want to grow up yet. Uh, but at that time, my identity was solely based in the, the religion of, of do's and don'ts, try to be a good moral boy, like, you know, go to, go to mass, be a server boy, be kind, don't curse, uh, so on and so forth. But I, but I am incredibly thankful for growing up in that environment of knowing or at least hearing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, because not everybody grows up in that environment. Now, doctrinal and theological differences we're going to set aside uh, to look back at your past, it's always good to be grateful for that. Then I started going to the Baptist church. <laughs> so completely different from the, uh, the Catholic church. And I went there for the youth group freshman year in high school. My Uncle Tony invited me to go. And again, all cards on the table here, guys. Um, one of the first Sundays I went in the morning, um, the youth group set up front. And so we're all facing this way. And one of the praise songs came on, nine times out of ten, Chris Tomlin. And so... They're singing uh, the praise song, and, and I'm in the first row. There's rows behind me of the youth group, and I, I didn't know what this experience was like just because from, from Catholic hymns, and I, and I love On Eagle's Wings. I will take that song to the grave. It's, it's amazing. But to this contemporary Christian form, night and day difference, right? So I'm in the, I'm in the first pew, and it comes on one, one of his awesome songs, and people behind me start raising their hands, and I'm like looking right? And so I just, I just give a high five or two because I, all cards on tape, I didn't know, and their eyes were closed, and they were like, and I was like, like, it's just completely awkward, and, and just, but I didn't understand. I didn't know any better, um, but that happened, <laughs> uh, and it was funny. Uh, uh, of course, went to youth group uh, with girls, always kind of been a struggle uh, with my life. Uh, when, when I first started going to the, they had something called Yak Youth After Church on Sunday nights. Uh, one of the first talks was about being saved. And, and we went around the room and, and they asked, are you saved? Pretty point blank question. And I was like, I'm alive. I'm saved. I didn't know what that word meant. I had no idea that saved was anything to do with salvation. I just thought it meant I was alive. During Easter, I would he hear Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And I thought, Man, they should have had the Catholic education I had because it should be Christ has risen. Now it's a past happening. But later I've realized that's a present reality, that, that Christ is risen. He is alive today. Bearing fruit, when I got asked <laughs> if I bared fruit, <laughs> I'm thinking no apples and oranges popping out. I had no idea what bearing fruit was. Uh, of course, I said, yeah, I am. Uh, what music do you listen to? Do you listen to secular music? Sure. <laughs> I didn't know the difference. Uh, just kind of went along. What denomination are you? Because they knew all of a sudden I started going to this church my freshman year. They had to wonder what denomination I was. I was, truth be, I was like, I'm an American. I've been born, in, born here, Kentucky, Covington. Um, but of course, that means religious denomination. And then witness. Um, you know, have you witnessed recently? I've witnessed a lot of people. Like, <laughs> I didn't know. I see all you. I'm witnessing you all here. I, I didn't know these terms. Uh, except Jesus in your life. I, I got to tell you guys, 
when I was freshman, sophomore year, I went up to the front a lot on those mission trips, on those youth rallies, because everyone else was doing it, right? It was like an emotionally driven, sometimes authentic, don't hear me say they're not, but how many times do I have to be saved, right? I, I just didn't understand. Uh, the, the altar call, um, truth be told, at the end of, of, of most Baptist uh, services, the pastor comes up and altar calls, and people can come up and accept Jesus, and sometimes I'd feel bad if he was standing up there alone. Other times I, uh, I would be like, Let's hurry it up, Skyline at noon. So, again, my heart was just so wicked. Um, first time I heard Joan of Arc, I thought it was Noah's wife, uh, just his Ark. I just completely just lost, guys. Um, and then, of course, I, I honestly, because I, I did not know Jesus, when I saw the guy walk in with a shirt that had a taco and some lettuce around it with the wording, let us taco about Jesus. I thought, okay, this isn't for me. I don't, I don't get their humor. Like, this just is ridiculous. Um, but I put on a good front that I knew what was going on. Um, and so my identity at that point was solely found in the appearance. Um, but there was a lot of differences, you know, between the Catholic and, and Baptist church. One of the, one of the most uh, dominant moments in my life came from Matt Holler and my former youth pastor, when I'm, I'm hearing about sin in church during, during talks, and he's telling us about sin, and it clicks that I'm living a sinful lifestyle, but I don't want to change. You know, like, right? Sin feels good. That's why we do it. And uh, so Matt Holleran, I'll never forget, um, is my junior into senior year. He sat me down in the youth room, and I mean, finger in my face, he's yelling at me, knock it off. Like, just knock it off what you're doing. I explained the relationship I was in. And I never had someone just just look at me in a caring way, in an aggressive way, but a caring way, tell me to just knock off my sin. Matt Holler, and I'm going to mention several other people in this message, excluding my family, because I'm biased there and believe I have the best family in the world. Um, but, but Matt really, he had me thinking of, okay, I, I should knock this off. He, obviously, he's crying, he cares about me, but why? I didn't understand. So I went on this mission trip with Matt, Matt Holleran and the youth group, and we're, the last night there, it's five days, uh, four nights, and, and the last day there, we're sharing what happened to us on this mission trip, what amazing things happened. And I'll never forget the story I heard of one of my friends, there, he went to a park, inner city park. There was a little boy who was skin and bones, um, starving, no shirt, no shoes, playing in the park. This is where we would go and minister every single day. And he told my friend that he didn't have any parents. He was living with his grandmother um, in a single-bedroom apartment with his three other siblings. And um, so my friend Zach gave him his food. Like, we had lunch every day. We weren't supposed to give it to the kids. But he gave him this food. And, and the little boy took the food and didn't eat it and told my friend Zach that he thanked him and said he was going to take it home and feed it to his family for the week because they don't have a lot of money. And at the time, right, sinful heart, <laughs> at the time I thought, that's an amazing story, Zach, that you would do that. I'm going to grab that and make it my story that it happened to me. Because I was hearing these testimonies from people and, like, you hear amazing stories of God taking people out of addictions, whether that's drugs, whether that's alcohol, 
whether, wh- whatever it may be, where you hear and you're like, you were there and now you're here. And I didn't have that. And I wanted a compelling story that would move people, that would maybe draw them closer to God. And it sounded good. So I copped it. I said, okay, I'm going to take that story. That's going to be mine. Nobody will know it's from Zach, right? Um, and, and that's what I did. Um, and later I've realized that, praise God, for those testimonies that you're not addicted to drugs or alcohol, but yet he can still save you just through your life. Maybe you have a lying addiction, gossip, whatever, lust. Praise God that you don't have to go through heroin or any of that. Praise God for both stories. I heard a sermon once. It's called Like Cures Like. And what, it, what the premise of it is, is like substances cure like substances. I'll give you three examples. When you're working with a car, which I'm not good at that, so I never do, but apparently you can get grease on your hands. And if you go try to turn on the water faucet and wash off the grease, it's not coming off because you need another petroleum-based substance to get that off. It's a like substance, and then it'll come right off, a like curing a like. When you get bit by a rattlesnake, you get rushed to the hospital, they actually give you the venom in the shot to help fight off the venom that the snake just gave you. Like substances, curing a like substance. When you go get the flu shot, you're actually getting the virus injected in you to cure off the flu if you were to get it. So all these like substances are curing these like substances, making them clean. Well, if we're descendants of Adam, and Adam sinned, and he had sinned, and so we're all sinners at birth, we're born into sin, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. We all fall short to the glory of God. If you need a real-life example, go work with the kids, right? I mean, let's all, all cards on the table here. The kid throws a block. Did you just throw that? No. Did your mom taught you to lie? No. No, of course not. But, he's, but they're lying, and they don't, they don't learn that from their parents, right? No, their parents don't teach them to lie, don't teach them to shout, don't teach them to scream. We're born sinners. That's the way it is. And the wages of that sin is death. We all deserve death, all of us. But by his grace, we can be free. And so because Christ, who had perfect blood, sacrificed himself on the cross, his like blood cures our blood, our sinful blood, the like substance curing the like substance. And it's only a perfect blood substance in that of Jesus Christ. At that point, when I heard that sermon, I realized I had to do something with Jesus. He either was crazy or he was Lord because he taught that he was Lord. A lot of people say Jesus was a good teacher, but I don't believe he was Lord. Ironically enough, if he was a good teacher and taught that he was Lord, how can you not believe he was Lord, right? It's one or the other. Um, And so when I was in college, I, I went through religious studies as a minor, so I got my associate's degree in religious studies, and I'm hearing a lot of different Jesuses out there. There's a whole lot. There's the prophet Jesus. There's the human Jesus. Some people believe that Jesus didn't even exist. So I knew with Jesus, when, when you read the Gospels, when you read when Jesus is talking, Jesus makes it very clear that you either know him or you don't. The people who don't know him will, will go to hell. The people that do know him will go to heaven. And I wanted to know him. I, I, something inside of me, a little igniter lit, I wanted to know Jesus and not just know about him. Because there's a huge difference, and I think a lot of Christian believers get it mixed up, because I did. For example, 
If I told you that Peyton Manning lives in Denver, his wife's name's Clara, they go to Applebee's every Friday night, his favorite drink is Mountain Dew, when he goes to Applebee's, he always gets a steak with fries, ranch dressing, and honey mustard on the side. He has a brother. He has both parents still living. On Easter, they all get together at Father's house. On Christmas, they always get together at little Eli's house. If, if I told you that, you might be like, wow, that brother knows Peyton Manning. <laughs> no, I just know about him. I can read about him, study, and learn about him, but I don't know him personally. And Jesus calls us to know him personally, not just know about him. Because growing up, I, growing up in, in the Catholic Church, I can tell you scriptures. I can tell you what he did and didn't do. I can tell you what he taught and told you not to do. But I didn't know him. Huge difference. When I was in 2007, I lost uh, a girlfriend to a drunk driver in a car accident. Really struggled with that one. <laughs> really struggled. Uh, especially coming up with, uh, with the faith that I had of, you know, always hearing God's there for you and stuff, and then that happens, right? Life happens. So what do you do with that? Um, and I'll never forget uh, Jeremy Ellis and, and John Raley. Um, those, those were my, my BCM guys. We were always together during that time. They shared some verses with me, shared some songs, um, and I can't remember which one shared, Matthew 7, 24, 20 to 27. I'll read it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Okay, and I, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, and, and I can't remember, and John, I don't mean to put you on the spot, which one shared it with me, but the, the purpose of sharing that, that ver those verses was, and I think it's often misspoken, is verse 25, even though the man built his house on the rock, the rains came, the storms came. He was solid on the rock, he was fine, but they still come. And that was a reality that I just, I didn't know. And I didn't think, oh, well, I love God. I'm going to church. I'm, everything's going to be fine. But the storms will come. And I want to encourage you guys with that verse, that even though they come, build your house on the rock. Otherwise, you're going to wash away. Example, because of all the rain that we've had recently, Tuesday at work um, was when the wind was really bad and power lines were down and stuff. We got to leave early. It was fantastic. Um, we're, we have a two-level building at work, and my, my cube is on the second level. Well, I don't have a window, but if I turn, I can see out the window. And behind our building, we have a lot of trees. And because our building's pretty tall, it was at the top of the trees, and those, those suckers were, I thought they were coming in. I mean, they were just going, going crazy. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to vine this. I'm going to selfie this. Like, this is, <laughs> this is some awesome, awesome-looking stuff. It's pretty cool. Nature's pretty cool. Well, then I go downstairs uh, into the break room because there may or may not be a ping-pong table there. And I go down, and I look out the door, and I'm like, oh, the storm stopped. And um, I forget. I think I was, I was with Michael Flanny. Uh, he goes, no, no, dude, it's terrible out there. I'm like, no. Well, the second level, we have windows as well. Well, where we are with those levels are the, the trunks, 
of the trees, and they're, they're not shaken at all, right? So the storm happens, this happens, but if you're rooted strongly, you're, you're not going to move, all right? Um, all right, so I, I went to an FCA camp. I heard a speaker named Mark Cahill, an evangelist, uh, really speaks about speaking your faith, always emphasizes it's the great commission, to, to preach the word, not the great suggestion, <laughs> right? Jesus tells us a command, we should do it. Um, so I started witnessing to people like crazy, and I didn't even know really what I was sharing. I just, he encouraged me to do so, so I, I bought some Bible tracts, and I was passing them out, and, um, you know, randomly. I was leaving them places, because I was still a little scared to actually hand them to people and look them in their eye. I was leaving them places. Uh, me and my buddy Mike, we would go up to Gold Star, and, and we would, uh, bless people's meal, like by, and then try to talk about Jesus, but it was always kind of a little awkward, right? Because, you know, anytime they would get deep with you, and you're really not rooted, you're like, oh, this just got real, like, you just, you, it's just scary, but I wanted to, I, my, I wanted to perceive to people that, you know, this, this, this cat is on fire for the Lord, and people would sneeze, and I would jump on sneezes, like, God bless you, speaking of God, right? Like a salesman, I mean, it's just, just a terrible heart. Um, so after FCA, I continued to struggle with my identity, uh, continued to struggle with the idea of bearing fruit and glorifying God. And I connected with a guy named Joe Spawn from Crittenden Baptist, who I was a youth pastor, or I was a youth pastor there for a while. And he, he flat out told me, uh, as I was sharing with him some of the struggles that I had in the faith, he flat out told me, he said, Andrew, he goes, I think you're speaking a little bit too much Christianese. And I was like, okay, Joe, <laughs> talk to me. What's that mean? Like, I had no idea. And he explained that Christianese is a language that a lot of people speak, a lot of Christians speak. For example, you ask someone how's they're, how they're doing. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, okay. Like, you know, and they get this image that they're a believer. And they may be, but, but I noticed that's what I was doing. Every time anyone asked how I was doing, I'm doing great, you know, God is good or whatever. But that wasn't reality. I was speaking it because I wanted so many people to believe that I had it, that, that I was on fire for the Lord, right? Oh, I'll pray for you. You know what I mean? Like, man, I quoted that um, a lot. But did I ever actually pray for them? No, I didn't. It just was easy to, to give that, that explanation. And in fact, one thing that really got my mind thinking was, when I was laying next to a girl one time, she said, I thought you were different. Hmm. I, I thought I was too. You know? And, and, and when, when that hits you, you're, you start thinking back about a lot of different things. I wanted to be different. I, I thought I was. Um, and in fact, going to, go, growing up in, in, in the, the Baptist church mainly, we would get in these prayer circles, these prayer requests, and we do something like popcorn prayer, make it a little bit more fun and, and enjoyable where pop, you say a prayer, pop, you say a prayer, pop. So <laughs> it was fun. So we would do these popcorn prayers, but every prayer I heard was always about other people. Pray for my cousin, pray for my mom, pray for my sister, pray for my brother. I never heard, pray for me. I'm struggling. I, I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling with lust. I never heard that. So I just well, pray for my family, you know. And so by hiding behind that, I just didn't want to reveal my identity. I didn't want to 
show people who I was. So, so going through the identity, it wasn't in girls because they were never fully satisfied. It wasn't in theology or Jesus because when I was witnessing to people, I was looking up systematic theology, eschatology, but there's no, there's no, uh, that won't fill the void in your heart at all. It wasn't about popularity. Uh, I wasn't popular in high school, but uh, believe it or not, there for a while on YouTube, I was getting shirts and merchandise. People were sending me stuff from all over the world. That didn't fill the void in my heart. It wasn't in sports, primarily UK, which a lot of my identity was found in, because believe it or not, they will always fail us. They win in 2012. The next day, we're like, oh, ready for 2013. That joy doesn't, doesn't last very long. It wasn't in a job. Because there for a while, I was filming with uh, two-time Grammy, Grammy Award-winning Lecrae Moore. Got to spend a whole day with him, hang out with him. Um, I, two years ago, I was working for Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, Television, where I was with John Calipari. Uh, we did some Louisville stuff, Rick Pitino, all those guys. Amazing experience, but you're not going to find that void that, that's missing and all that. And it's not about items, because I'd have some good Nikes and some cool clothes. But that would never Fill the, hole in my, fill the hole in your heart, and it never will, guys. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that rest was something that I was looking for. Because for so long, I was fighting to put on this image for other people. I was struggling doing it because when I was alone, it was hard. But in front of people, I was able to fake them out pretty good. But guys, we cannot carry that weight on our shoulders, that expectation to have everything in life figured out, to give that preconceived image that they got it together. It's not going to last. So it hit me the hardest that it's only his sanctifying grace that can make us alive. It's only by the grace and mercy of God, grace through faith, that can make us alive. We cannot earn our way to God. You go to church every Sunday, say God bless you every time you hear someone sneezes, talk about all the good things that God's doing in your life, wear all the VBS pins. That will not save you. It's only by His grace that He will save you. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything he might be preeminent. Guys, he is all we need. We don't need a religion. We don't need good morals, although I'm not saying be bad. We need Jesus. He's, a, he's, he's enough. He is all we need. And I, I think that a lot of times I've struggled, and I think a lot of other people struggle with the fact of just trying to explain grace, kind of explain God's grace. I think you have to experience it to really understand how good and how beautiful he is. Because I would come to services, guys, and I would just sing the lyrics on the screen. It's so easy. Close my eyes, hold my hands. Oh, they're holding up their hands. I'll hold up mine. It's so easy to go along that way. But if you experience his grace, it's all different. It's all different. Now, I can't say anything that myself that can save you. Only the Spirit can do that because we're all dead in our sins. And only Christ makes us alive. And when we become alive, it's like one of my favorite pastors, David Platt, shared. He said, if you were to come late to a speaking engagement 
and he said, sorry I was 15 minutes late. I just got hit by a Mac-10 truck going 60 miles per hour, but I'm okay, I'm, I'm here. The crowd can think two things. One, he's lying, <laughs> right? He doesn't look like he just got hit by a Mac-10 truck. Or he's deceived. He thought he got hit by a Mac-10 truck. And I think the same thing is like that with our lives with God. Because when he makes us alive, there is much more of a difference in our life than getting hit by a Mac-10 truck at 60. You look a lot different. You're not deceived and you're not lying. You look different. So David Platt, Matt Chandler, Pastor Mark Jones, John Piper, so many in the faith that just preach the word of God that have helped me um, as Christ has saved me. Uh, Matt Roush, a good friend of mine, here in the past, since I've been married, um, just a a servant of the Lord. Uh, He's probably spent, I was trying to add up the hours last night. He's probably spent a day and a half total at my house helping me. I'm not a handyman. I break stuff. And, and he's just been fantastic. My wife, Taylor. Um, just amazing. Just amazing. And, and I think that's what the believers, being believers and being a body is all about. Right? It's all about being real. James 5.16, confession sends to one another so healing may come. We need each other. We need that community. That's uh, living church has living communities for that reason. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's a community. Our God is a community. Why shouldn't we be? So lastly, I'll close with two stories. Your identity, before the stories, just, just in case you didn't get it, your identity should only be in Jesus Christ. And our life's mission is solely to glorify God. That is why we're here. Nothing else, not for popularity, not for a job, not for money, solely for the glory of God. That's why we exist. Why do things happen? For the glory of God. But Andrew, that doesn't make sense. Because you said you lost a girlfriend to a drunk driver. How did God get glorified in that? Well, I don't know all the answers. I can tell you something, though, about that story. Um, at the Baptist Campus Ministry, they were on an international retreat that same weekend, November 3rd. News spread to them that Samantha had passed away. And the group that was there with them started praying and, and actually started praising God that she had gone into heaven. And I heard this story from, from the guy, Luke, that was leading it. And he said that multiple, he said six, seven, eight international students had no idea why we would praise God for an event like that because they could understand why it would turn us away. And so to God be the glory that through a death and passing, these international students were able to see believers worship, question it, and want to know more about the faith. I tell you, that's one way that he was glorified through that. And praise God, I don't know if any of them uh, received salvation, but the fact that if we just take a step back and just try to see the big picture more often. Maybe if we don't get stuck in the weeds, we can see that God will be glorified. Another story, a buddy of mine uh, just went through a divorce about a year, a year and a half ago. We're out at Steak and Shake. Me and my buddy, uh, Stephen, are, are really just trying to, 
to convince him not to do it. Um, we have the word. We gave it. We fed him scripture. Um, we prayed with him. We we all shed tears. We we were in a pretty deep conversation at Steak and Shake, and uh, as we're leaving, the waitress that was that was at our table, she said, um, she said, "Hey, I I saw that Bible." She's like, "I don't go to church or anything, but um, can you pray for me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. What, what's what's going on?" And she talks about her power was shut off. She's being evicted from her apartment. Uh, she has three kids. She's working, you know, doubles. I said, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, let's pray right now. And so we prayed together, and I said, let, let me get your contact information. You know, oh, okay, cool. So I got her number, and I was like, okay, let me pray over this. You know, what, what can be done here? Because as a, as a guy, at that time, Taylor and I were engaged. It's probably not the best decision for a guy to go out there and, maybe treat her, you know, to groceries or money at all. So I called a local church. They went out there, gave her $100 to Kroger, talked to her about Christ and church, did a little bit more. They followed back up with me, church out in Florence, and now she's going to church. And so you look at that, and you're like, we're sitting there talking about a disgusting divorce, but yet God's being glorified. Because if we had not had that conversation, this young woman would have never been able to see God's grace there. And so, sure, God gets glory outside of just that one incident. We don't always see it, and we never will. But it's just beautiful when you see things like that. And, and lastly, um, I'll close with this. Um, I went from filming and, and interviewing and working with John Calipari and, and, and Kentucky Sports, and it was awesome. Like, I loved it. It was amazing. Um, but I transferred, I moved back up here for my family, for Taylor, and started working with something called Salesforce, you know, big nerd. And I, I now am a Salesforce administrator um, at Dynamic Catholic. Um, it's, a, it's a Catholic institute. And it has been so overwhelming how many conversations I've been able to have about who Christ is because I grew up in the faith. I've been able to share and have one-on-ones with people who may not have heard those scriptures. or may you know. And so when I take a step back and look at my own life from where God brought me out of to where he is now, and as of Friday, this past Friday, four guys in a room huddled, and, I, and I'm sharing that he made sin to be, he, made, he knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness in God in him, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and I just have a guy break down who had never heard it like that, who had never heard the, the gospel. And it's like, let God be glorified wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. I'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, I just pray that we, we just take off any mask that we may have on um, of just deceiving other people. Uh, maybe, maybe showing other people that that we know a lot about you, but maybe we just don't know you. Father, I thank you for the ability to be here today. I thank you for allowing me to speak, and I just pray that as the worship band closes, that you just speak into our hearts, into our lives, that we can just be transformed. Give us new eyes and ears so we can see and hear you, Lord, and live for your glory alone. Amen.